go by between episodes of tipping pitches can you believe this can you believe how much we've become slackers on our separate coasts our coastal elite selves we don't work as hard as we used to god i know right the last time we talked there was like real regular season baseball going on that feels like an eternity ago like i have aged many moons since then we've had like a pair of game 163s and a couple of wild cards and an entire uh, uh playoff round go by and now there are like four teams remaining like seriously last time we talked the rockies were still a fun story that was yeah. long ago yeah right Turns out you need more than three good hitters to be a successful uh, playoff team. Yes, that usually comes in handy. Uh, unless you're the Yankees and you have nine and it still doesn't matter. <laughs> you're just getting your dicks in early. That's fair. Uh, yeah, That's yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to let the listeners behind the curtain a little bit here. It's been a crazy couple of weeks. Uh, been busy at work. I traveled back to New York. We saw each other. We did not record a podcast in person, though I wanted to. My girlfriend was not happy about that idea when I brought it up to her. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, you and I built IKEA furniture with her. Um, so that was great. So that is the reason that we were gone um, and out of your earbuds for these last two playoff weeks. But we are back. We are better than ever. And we've given you some time to digest the first couple of rounds. And we're going to hit you with that tipping pitches flare. Um, in this episode, we are going to keep this one short though, since it's a midweek, I guess you could call it, even though it's coming out on a Friday, a midweek episode. We're going to keep this one kind of tight. We're going to talk about all the stuff we missed, all the things that we've been dying to have conversations about over the last couple of weeks. And this weekend, we'll be back again with another short episode. Um, we're actually going to have another guest. It'll be an interview form, and we're just going to keep it tight, keep it just the interview. So, Alex, we've been away for a while. What are some of the things, just top line stuff, the stuff that really just sent you over to the tipping pitches account to fire off tweets in the last two weeks? Go. <laughs> I, like, I got to go back on my phone right now and see, like, what were we talking about? Because it's it really has been such a long, like, you remember the hug? Remember the Nolan Arenado, Javier Baez hug? That was a thing. That, like, came and went. That was, <laughs> that was all the rage on Twitter for about five minutes, and then it didn't matter because it wasn't an obstruction or something like that. Although it was uh, obstruction. It, yeah, it was obstruction. Let's litigate um, this now two weeks later. This is what people want to hear. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, man. What What else even? What, I, I generally actually don't even know what happened. What, <laughs> uh, who, what, what teams even played? The Indians were in it? I didn't even watch the Indians play baseball. I don't even know. I don't even know where I am anymore. I'm kind of Let's, I'm, uh... I'm, I'm fading over here. <laughs> Let's take a quick temp of the predictions that we had for the breakout stars. I'm just going to get this off the top right away. I know in the rundown we said we would get to it later, um, but I'm going to give you your moment to brag about Brock Holt real quick. I'm going to clear the runway 
30 seconds since the rest of our predictions went horribly wrong. <laughs> um, I picked Ramon Laureano and Neandi Diaz, and you picked... Um, yeah, Brock Holt and Ian Desmond. Ian Desmond, yikes. yikes. That's the worst one out of the four. So yeah. um, it balances out that you picked Brock Holt. But anyway, go. Uh, do I even have to... Brock freaking Holt, man. Can we... <laughs> It, we're like a few days behind on this, so we're not going to give you a full rundown on that insane 16 to whatever one game where um, a position player pitched. Um, but Brock Holt, my boy, my breakout pick, hit for the cycle, finished it with a home run. I cannot, and the only game that he started in that series too, my heart was jumping for joy for my my small um boston looking son he uh <laughs> he did it the absolute boy went out and did it and i am just so proud and i'm really proud of myself for picking him because that was just i think the best thing that i could do personally look at you patting yourself on the back in the Absolutely. first five minutes of the pod it's outstanding stuff i'm this so is, proud of you this is my analysis man i just cut this little clip right here and start sending it off to espn and deadspin and maybe they'll hire me yeah um, in other news, we're going to keep it short. Uh, everyone who thought they were going to get cute and pick the Indians to upset the Astros, you were all wrong. The Yankees-Red Sox series did not disappoint. The Rockies are who we thought they were. And I'm really hoping that the Brewers get eliminated by the Dodgers because I don't know that I can live through a World Series where Josh Hader is pitching in it. Ugh, God, yeah, right. Yeah, nothing's nothing's good. And... Uh, and we'll we'll certainly touch on some of that um, later <laughs> in the episode. I do want to I want to take a second to mention just because the last time we spoke, the Oakland A's still looked like they had um, a chance to run in it. And I just want to um, say rest in peace to my uh, my boys. They did it. They made a run for it. The Yankees kind of walked all over them. And I was there at Yankee Stadium, and it was. It was it was not enjoyable. I'm not gonna lie. It was a pretty pretty miserable experience for me being surrounded by Yankees fans who were just absolutely elated. It made it it made it quite a, a sad experience for me as I sat there and Yankees fans reached out to high five me when Aaron Judge hit a home run or something like that. It was it was pretty wild. I gotta say, that's tough, Alex. That's that's real tough stuff. But um. At least Tipping Pitches is the podcast that will not pour beer on opposing teams' fans. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I do. I got I to gotta shout out my, my boy, Sal, who was sitting next to me. Sal from New Jersey. Uh, him and his boys were, were quite friendly with me um, and uh, chatted them up. They, uh, they were the most Italian bros I have ever seen. And, and of course, they were Yankees fans. But they recommended Were they related to Luke Voigt? I am sure that they were. They recommended me an Italian place in Brooklyn called Vinny's. Like, come on, man. That's out of a fucking movie. It's This is too on the nose at this point. <laughs> All right, Alex, we're going to get into more playoff stuff. We're going to get into more of the stuff that's been bothering us over the last two weeks during the playoffs. Um, but before we do, I'm Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Baisley. And this is, like I said, Tipping Pitches podcast that also will not have a twitter meltdown like mike clevenger did (laughs) (laughs) this feels like it happened so long ago so we're not going to talk about it but mike clevenger log out my guy log out yeah 
Yeah. Um, he just tweeted he just tweeted right through it, man. I gotta respect <laughs> it. You know who else should have tweeted right through it? Who? My man Joe Madden, who <laughs> it's a tough year for him. It's a tough year for Joe. We found out earlier in the year that Joe does have a Twitter and he's got the very hipster uh the glasses and the the jean jacket, I think, and like a dog in his picture. So we talked about that. But it has not been a great year for Madden stands, nor for Cubs fans. And we wanted to talk about that, but more so just really the idea that like dynasties happen in baseball or like just kind of breaking. Temp- <laughs> no, that <laughs> taking the temperature of what a dynasty means in baseball, I think is interesting. I don't think the Cubs are it. And I also don't think that that's a bad thing. I just think like this is something I wanted to talk about because. I see a lot of like Cubs fans on Twitter and I see a lot of people in the media talking about how great that like young core was and that and talking about quote unquote where things went wrong or or uh you know really like wringing their hands over this season and how the Cubs were bounced in the wild card game and like I don't know I feel like this is sort of part of the process of baseball media and fans like wanting to speed things up beyond where they should be like one World Series and a couple playoff appearances and like still a really good young core that won 93 games this year. Like we want the immediacy of them winning like back to back to back World Series or whatever, but like that just doesn't happen. I mean, they were better than everyone else in 2016, but as we saw, like it they're not so much better than everyone else that it's gonna last year to year. And that's something that we're facing right now with the Astros. That's something that we face. That's something that I faced as a Mets fan where like the Mets 2015 pitching staff was so far ahead of everyone else. And like I had to grapple with the idea that Mets fans had these outsized expectations when there were clearly a lot of holes in the team, just like there are clearly a lot of holes in this Cubs team, though they have a strong young core. And this is something that you're going to have to grapple with too as an A's fan that has a lot of young talent concentrated um, in important positions like center field, like third base. Um, like the pitchers that you're going to get back from injury, hopefully next year. So, so where are you at on this sort of like everyone that wins with a young team has to be a dynasty conversation that we're at within baseball fandom? Yeah, I think it's it has to do with our incessant need to like label things, and we really, I don't know. I think especially with there's something about maybe the the analytical era or the way we try and really like drill down beneath the numbers and be like, like we want to place a certain team historically and we want to kind of under, you know, understand how they, how they stack up to last year's teams and the year before and how they'll stack up the next year and the next year. And this is not me saying that like, I think analytics are bad or something like that, but we really no analytics are bad. The analytics actually are bad. Yeah. You're actually co-hosting this podcast with John Smoltz. (laughs) Um, but you know, we really like to have this idea. Um, I don't know, some concrete, um, yeah, notion of where teams stand historically. And, and it is fun, right? Like it's fun to look at the Cubs and all the talent they, they have and be like, wow, they could be really good for a really long time. But yeah, I think that a lot of fans kind of tend to jump on that bandwagon a little too quickly. And the media is certainly culpable in this as well um, because we hype these teams up. And sometimes it's like, 
it's not the team's fault, right? Like something happens. Um, a a key player gets injured or all of a sudden some of that young talent doesn't pan out in the way that you want it to be. Um, and ultimately, like, I don't really think it matters. Like the Cubs are still really good and they have a lot of really good players and they're going to have them for at least a few more years. So like their window is still there. Um, you mentioned like the like the Mets. Um, and it's interesting kind of seeing how teams, not to get like two in the weeds, but just how like teams build their roster, right? And, let, and like the Mets built it around pitching. So like, does that idea of a dynasty become a little more volatile when you're basing something off of five elbows that could just kind of blow out at any time? Um God, it sucks when you reduce it to that, man. <laughs> but honestly, like you look at the compare them to the Astros, and it's it's really the the lineup that they have. And then they went and traded for pitchers, and they got that they got Verlander and they got Garrett Cole. But the reason that they're deadly is because of George Springer and because of Jose Altuve and because of freaking Alex Bregman, who's the best player in baseball now, and all the other Don't guys. Put some respect on Christian Yelich's name, dog. <laughs> Um, anyway, I don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but I do think it's interesting how quickly we are to kind of jump on something. And then, uh, and then after a bad year or two, we're just like, oh, well, no, it's past. The time has passed for them. When does a dynasty, when does a young core, a dynasty, when does that turn into an elite franchise? Like, I, I wouldn't consider, I mean, I know like the Yankees had like their nineties dynasty or whatever. And it was like, Jeter and Posada and Mo and uh, Pettit and like all these different people. Um, and I know that was like in theory a dynasty, but I sort of think of that, I think of the Yankees as a franchise, I think of that as like slipping back to their dynasty rather than like, rather than like starting a new dynasty. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like at one point does a team, are they so good for so long that they're just like an elite franchise as opposed to just they've created a dynasty in time? I think it's interesting because part of that has to do with the market that you're in, honestly, and the history of your team. If the Cubs won back-to-back World Series or something like that, I mean, I already feel like the Cubs are in elite dynasty just because of the amount of lore that they have behind them, right? Even if they haven't won 27 rings, they play in... 27 (laughs) rings, bro. 27 rings, man. Or the the Boston Red Sox, right? Like these are just powerhouse teams throughout the years who have had some of the biggest stars in all of baseball. Like if the if the Orioles won three straight World Series, I still don't think I'd put them among the elite franchises of all time, right? Um yeah. Some of it's just something you kind of stumble into and having outside outsized personalities, right? Um, the fact that George Steinbrenner was the face of the Yankees for the longest time, I think had a lot to do with the outsized role that they played in, uh, in that talk of franchise and something like that. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I think the Diamondbacks and the Rockies and the Orioles and the Royals are all elite franchises. Fuck royalty, man. Get the Yankees, the Red Sox, all these teams, the Cubs, get them out of here. That's yeah. my take. Give me, give me some Tampa Bay Rays, man. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I don't know. It's interesting because, like, where do you put the Giants on that? 
I would put them on elite franchises, right? But they've had long stretches where they were hot garbage. Yeah. Um, but they've been around for so long. I mean, like the Dodgers are obviously an elite franchise. I guess it's just really reserved to like the oldest teams if you really want to look at it that way in the biggest markets. It's it's really it's really hard, right? Because like the A's have um the second or third most World Series titles of any team in terms of not not like spanning franchises back to Philadelphia or anything like that, but like the Oakland A's out of any team that's in existence today. But do you put them on the list of elite franchises? Like, I don't know. It feels like because... feels like you can't be an elite franchise and spend the least amount of money. Sorry. Um, I, I guess not. But, <laughs> so, but I don't know. But then I don't really understand how you... I don't know. I think it's a moot point, honestly. Like this is this is where we dive down the hole of being like, well, the Yankees are elite because they spend a lot and they win a lot and they got 27 rings. So like, bro, you know, they're top of the list, man. <laughs> King of the Hill. I do think though, just to kind of wrap up this point about dynasty and about the Cubs, I do think perceiving yourself as a fan of an elite franchise makes you more likely to think that you have a dynasty. I don't think that I thought that I had a dynasty when I was a Mets fan. I know they didn't win. So like that's one way of looking at it. But like I don't think Royals fans when they made the World Series in 2014 and lost and then won in 2015. I didn't really hear like dynasty talk. So I think the elite franchise conversation sort of runs on like a parallel rail to the to the conversation that we're having here about dynasty. Yeah, I think it does. And it depends on where you are in your window too, right? Like not to say the Royals just lucked into a World Series, but they it was kind of a confluence of luck there where they had this kind of small ball team who were all really fast and they just kind of managed to outplay the other team. They were not walking all over people like the freaking Astros, right? Like the thing, I want okay. I want to see those two teams play and let's see who comes out on top. I'm going to sort of disagree with that a little bit. Um the Royals were sort of like a small ball like fundamentals team or whatever and like that's the way that it ended up manifesting, but like all of those players were elite prospects that they put a lot of time into player development and like the Royals were one of the teams that was like out ahead of the player development curve that we're seeing right now. Hiring more strength and conditioning coaches in the minors, having more people dedicated to being directors of player development at a franchise wide level. All that stuff the Royals were kind of on the cutting edge of, which is like weird to think about because they're in Kansas City and uh, they don't have a lot of money. And you don't think of them as being like this Yankees develop a bunch of really great players type of franchise. But like the core of that team. You know, you think of like Hosmer, elite prospect, Mustakis, elite prospect, Lorenzo Kane, elite prospect. They're all elite prospect. Uh, Sal Perez, elite, elite prospect. Um, right, right. And that's not to say that that team wasn't good. I think it's more just like when you look at where they were in their window, like a lot of those guys were going to walk in like two years. And so if you win the World Series, then you have to make a real concerted effort to lock those guys up or do something. Otherwise, there's no way that becomes a dynasty, right? Like the only reason the Astros are a dynasty yeah. is because all these guys are like a you know, two or three years removed from their rookie years, still in arbitration. And like 
haven't really started making big money yet. And they are years away from having to worry about any of that, right? So I think that's more the point I was trying to get at is that it it just kind of depends on where you are in your cycle. And the Royals just happened to kind of squeeze in there before all those players were like, bye. Fair. All right, let's take a quick break. Come back, we're going to talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Johnny Spoltz. Brooklyn, baby, we could take it there. And if they want smoke, we can put it in the air, yeah. This shit is a girl blunt. I only smoke girl blunt. This shit is a girl blunt. I only smoke girl blunt. Alex, I know you took a particular offense while watching the Dodgers Brave series at uh, announcer John Smoltz, who used to be a member of said Braves, because he took particular offense to some of the newer age uh, managerial tactics as it pertains to pitchers. You were tweeting through it, tweeting angry from the Tipping Pitches account, and I sort of jumped in on there, kind of making fun of some of John Smoltz's, uh, how do you say this, snowflake stoking? (laughs) Um, as As it relates to pulling starters early, pulling relievers after facing you know, the minimum amount of batters, whatever. So why don't you break down your feelings about John Smoltz for me and for the listeners and uh, and what your experience was having him shepherd you through the first round of the MLB playoffs. <laughs> I will start off by saying John Smoltz is not the only person who does this sort of thing, right? Like we rail against... He's not so- fighting a one-man battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he absolutely is not. Uh, We rail against these types all the time. The difference is that they usually are not calling national baseball games. I guess I just took particular umbrage at the fact that uh, John Smoltz seemed to indicate to the viewers that he just didn't really enjoy watching baseball. Everything that seemed to come out of his mouth was something hearkening back to the old days when he played, when uh, when pitchers would just you know grit it out and go seven or eight innings. He tried to make a point about bullpens and how uh, bullpens might be bad because uh, because like they're not warm or like they're not amped up enough. I don't really know where he was going at that, but I just kind of wanted to take a minute to talk about the fact that like our our worst nightmare everything we roast weekly on this podcast kind of came to life in John Smoltz and I think that it's just the manifestation of our worst nightmares everything we talk about weekly on tipping pitches distilled into John Smoltz uh I don't Bobby tell me your thoughts please tell me I'm not alone in my anger Thank God I actually wasn't watching the game that spurred you to tweet this little mini thread about how he's waging a one-man war against big numbers. <laughs> I was uh, getting my hair cut. I was living my best Hollywood life. You were bringing me through it text by text just by telling me that he was railing against relievers not being locked in when they come and that the third time through the order penalty is is made up. And it reminds me of a conversation that we had earlier about how, like, if you don't particularly care for analytics, you could just kind of, like, not 
do it. <laughs> you can kind of like not really have that in your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that was sort of the conclusion that we came to. But like, that's not really enough for John Smoltz. He has to like actively rail against it all the time. And it, yeah. it's like the John Smoltz type that feels the need to really do that. And I'm not going to like fear monger about like the future of baseball, but like this is the kind of thing that is like really truly turning people off from wanting to watch baseball is like the kind of guy who's like, let me tell you what's bad about these kids these days. And it's like denying objective facts about the game to own the young children. (laughs) And I just like the third time through the order penalty is just an objective fact of baseball that literally every single manager, every single team, every single GM, every single pitching coach, they all believe it. They all think it's true. They all apply it selectively as they see fit. But to say that it's not a real thing, to say that it it actually might be worse to bring in a reliever because the starter is still more locked in, you wouldn't say that to a, every manager's face. So why are you saying it in the booth of a game? You wouldn't tell a manager he's wrong for thinking that because you know he's not wrong for thinking that. So like, it's just these guys who just like, they want baseball to be dumb again. <laughs> I don't I don't understand it. I don't get the anti-intellectualism. But then again, I don't get anti-intellectualism across society. I don't get the railing against people trying to be more informed. I don't understand it as it pertains to politics, culture, news, and I super duper don't understand it as it pertains to baseball. One of the smartest games that you could possibly have. Look, if John Smoltz wants to hate analytics, I will just let him hate analytics. He can go hate analytics all the way to the bank for that, you know, six-digit check he's cashing from Fox Sports. But arguably the least defensible of his takes, and the one that got under my skin and many a Twitter user. So a couple weeks ago, MLB released a pretty wonderful ad campaign um, about let the kids play. And it was all about about breaking um, all these unwritten rules about, you know, flipping your bat and like having fun on the field, all the things like we talk about being excited about here on Tipping Pitches. And this was an ad campaign essentially uh, endorsing all that with the slogan, let the kids play. And so during the Dodgers-Braves game, Yasiel Puig, our favorite child on here, um, of sweet, course, sweet, thick son. <laughs> he, of course, uh, was the recipient uh, of some of the ire of John Smoltz after he flipped the ball back to the infield over his shoulder. So this is obviously um, a heinous crime, and he should be punished for it. And uh, and so Joe Davis, who was the the other man in the booth, said to Smoltz, "Oh, you don't like that." And Smoltz said, "No." And Davis said, well, you know, what was that ad campaign? Let the kids play. And Smoltz replied, to a point. So John, yeah. S- John Smoltz is here for the unwritten rules. He went on national television and undermined the entire ad campaign that MLB had just putting out. And I just want to, I, I guess I just don't understand why this is not like a bigger deal to MLB that's so worried about the brand that you run out people. And like I said, it's not just Smoltz. It's every broadcaster, pretty much. You run out people who seem like they, they're a part of the game that they just don't enjoy. I just don't get it. I don't understand why everyone wants it to be 
1980 again or something like that, when pitchers just gutted through and played through injuries unknowingly and destroyed their arms for life. Like, I just, it makes me sad, honestly, that, that because I think that we deserve better as baseball fans. You don't want every young pitcher to have the career arc of Kerry Wood. That's not something you're interested in? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm actually interested in that. I'm with John on this one. Um, you brought up the uh, Let the Kids Play video, which I, like you, loved when I saw it. And, you know, you said just now the phrasing that you used was MLB cares so much about the brand, so why don't they why don't they care more that the people who are shepherding their brand and who are like the actual voice of the game don't seem to actually like the game, don't seem to like the brand that they're trying to push out, these kinds of things. But I will say I've become, I mean, I went into the cynical, I went into seeing that video cynical um, and skeptical. And so did you, you tweeted from the Tipping Pitches account that uh, you, you love to see this kind of thing. But I think you said something like, I would love to see some action to like follow through on this. And I was with you at the time. It's just the kind of thing that you know in the next week, two weeks, month, year, season, whatever, you know MLB is going to do something to make a video like that ring hollow. And for me, the thing that they did was they chose to use hashtag chop on as the Braves marquee hashtag for the playoffs the way that you hashtag something and then you get a little emoji on Twitter um, that's what MLB and Twitter decided was going to be the uh, the representation of the Atlanta Braves it was going to be chop on the obviously a reference to the racist and unacceptable tomahawk chop which we wanted to talk about because it was just ever present and it was heavy and it was hard to watch and it was hard to process while watching what in large part is a really fun young team that we should really be able to enjoy. But we have to have these concerns hanging over our head because baseball has to remind us that it still wants to be 1890. Alex, how did you feel watching the Tomahawk Chop? What were your thoughts? Um, I know I know you're actually uh, breaking out the old typing fingers for for an article <laughs> about some of these things <laughs> dusting off the old keyboard um yeah so why don't you why don't you give us a preliminary look for the pod listeners about some of those thoughts first of all it's really annoying to listen to oh my god have you tried to sitting through a nine inning broadcast just hearing uh, in the back oh god just shut up already i'm just trying to watch the game I'm a Mets fan. They do that in the regular season sometimes. So yes, yeah, and yeah, it's it's terrible, right? Um, but it's just seeing a stadium full of like tens of thousands of a lot of white people just sit there pretending to be a Native American, just chop on, man, just chop on and singing. It's atrocious. I mean, it made my skin crawl. And I was like texting you, even though I knew you were on a flight, just being like, oh my God, the freaking tomahawk chop, man. Like I cannot stand it. Um, and just texting me, even though it's not going through. So, you know, you won't tweet it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I had to get it out somewhere, scream into the void. <laughs> um, but I just think the, and the reason we talk about this right after John Smoltz is because it's this idea of like, 
tradition. Like baseball is so steeped in its tradition that it it refuses to change. Like it wants to stick itself in time. And it's frankly unacceptable. Like I don't, I I just don't get it. And it's very reflective of stuff that goes on outside the stadium too. But to pretend that just because society progresses that baseball shouldn't either is insanely irresponsible. And that that's really just why the tomahawk chop, I mean, it just needs to go, man. And the the, the Indians just played their last game with Chief Wahoo um, on, on Indigenous Peoples Day, no less. So hat tip to you guys for being dicks one last time. But um, we really had to go out just, on a high note there. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. It's just, it's got to end, man. It it just has to. Yeah, maybe we'll have to um, we'll have to hearken back to an old segment that we did, head into a Facebook page, oh god, and read off some takes about the tomahawk chop the way that we did about the uh, the Chief Wahoo logo. That's for the real OG pod listeners. If you remember that segment, shout out to y'all. God, just sing like Seven Nation Army, you know? Like that's equally as annoying. That gets under people's skin just as much. It's just not <laughs> racist. That's the only difference. Do the fucking wave. If it's gonna replace the tomahawk, <laughs> You're right? Do the <laughs> this fucking is our endorsement. wave. Seriously. The lesser, the mega lesser of two evils here, people. Just do less. Just don't do the tomahawk chop. That's tipping pitches official take. Alex, we said we would keep this pod short. So uh we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back, we're gonna outro, and we're gonna let you gloat all over the Yankees grave. That's That's it. That's Tipping Pitches. That's our comeback pod. Look out for another pod um, coming to you later this weekend. Uh, We hope you enjoy the ALCS, the NLCS, which are about to be underway. Make sure to be following us at Tipping underscore Pitches on Twitter. Make sure to send your questions, comments, concerns to tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. One more shout out to Radio Public. They put us on an indie podcast to watch list, which was really cool. I mean, I don't know how many people really saw that, but just we saw it. That's what matters. Yeah, we saw it. They tagged us in the tweet, bro. Sick. (laughs) Um, Before we go, uh, after we got all those plugs out of the way, I want to give you, Alex Baisley, one last chance to uh, put the final shovel of dirt on the Yankees' grave for the 2018 season (laughs) since uh, since they and their fans... And the guys who suggested Italian Vinnies to you put the uh, final shovel full of dirt on the A season. I want you to dish it back to them. What's up? Tell the Yankees fans what's up. <laughs> I just I just want you to fill this space with like 30 seconds of like a bleep, you know? Like just... <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> I uh, would like to tip my cap to y'all because the Yankees had quite an incredible run. And I also want to say sayonara because I am just so glad that you are all gone and that I do not have to watch um, crowd shots of the frattiest, broiest Yankees fans on earth that all look like Luke Voigt. Good God, man. Just get that off my television screen. 
He's unlocked a whole new level of Staten Island, bro. Oh my god, the the jersey that's unbuttoned, like down to his belly button, got the chain <laughs> working. Oh my god, the fade, the fucking comb over fade that he yeah, has, the scowl, like, the constant the, scowl. Yeah, the stripe in the side. He's like he's like uh, Ham Porter grown up, and but he ate at too many Italian restaurants in Staten Island. <laughs> yeah so good riddance adios all right thank you everyone for listening to tipping pitches we're sorry for being gone so long but we're back we got two pods for you yeah enjoy baseball till i fall